0: Amen. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2. I thought we had made some progress. We have taken a step back, literally, uh, I guess, a row or two. This morning, I saw Don Hogan in this front section up here, and I was like, God, you are good. There is revival. There is renewal. Now he has drifted back again. We will pray for your soul, my brother. Oh, don't point fingers now. He's trying to say it's other people that influence in him. You're supposed to be influencing others for the kingdom. Remember? Remember what that is? Anyway, just remember, I will move back there with you. Just remember... I will walk right up to you. I promise you, you know, Acts chapter two, as we look at verses 40 through 47, I know some of you probably looked at the bulletin this morning and you saw that text mentioned and, and you said to yourself, now, Dr. Reggie, you, uh, you've re- have forgotten that you actually covered those verses. You, you some of you some of you now some of you looking surprised at me. You didn't know I had covered those verses. Did you? But remember when we came together, I think one of the last times we had something like a watermelon cutting, wasn't that a blessed moment in the church's life? We were there on that Sunday night, and we looked at these verses, and and we talked a little bit about that, and we talked about the church's purpose, and as I was studying this last week, and I was already moving over into chapter 3, and uh, preparing to do that, I just, chapter 2 caught my eye again, and those verses... Those verses that speak to the function and the purpose of the church that really demonstrate the church that was in love with the Lord Jesus and love in love with each other and just functioning as it should be. When I caught those verses and I just saw them again, it it was as though it impressed one more time. We got to talk about this. We just got to look at it again and be reminded of who we are as the church and what we are supposed to be doing. What is our focus and who are we? And I will say to you that while I may leave these verses tonight with you, I probably will come back to them again in the future sometime. So those of you who date my messages, just kind of go ahead and say, we'll return one day. He will preach it again, okay? Because here there is such substance in who the church is and I think is a reminder to us. In a day and an age when I believe the church is losing its focus... In a day and an age when I think the church is losing its identity, these verses speak so clearly to us and so significantly. So I want you to look, beginning in verse 40, describing the early church here at the day of Pentecost, seeing what God was doing, it says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Remember, this is Peter. As he was preaching, as he was speaking, he said, Be saved. From this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about three thousand souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all. As anyone had need. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from the house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I want you to see the focus of this early church. You'll see their purpose, but you'll see their focus. I want you to note that when you're reading through these verses, that you'll see an inward focus that the church has. Yes, I said it, an inward focus. The scripture says in verse 42 in particular that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In other words, they were coming together, they were studying the apostles' doctrine, the teaching, the the great teaching of the church. They were going through it, they were trying to seek understanding what God would have them see. They were coming together together to do this. I think it is so important. I think it is so important for us to come together and focus inwardly for a while as we study God's word, as we hear his doctrine, as we see the teaching of Christ. I say again to you, as I said a few weeks ago, there are many people that will inform our teaching and our doctrine today. This world stands ready to inform our thoughts. I say to you, That we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be gathering together and asking questions of the day and seeking God's answer from his word, his teaching, so that we might understand correctly and then practice accordingly. I think that's what God wants us to do is that we are studying together. I think we ought to give ourselves to the study of the scripture and have moments where we can dig in deeper into what God has said to us. I don't think doctrine should be a negative word for us. I think it should be something that is positive in our lives so that we can seek understanding of what God has taught. I again say that that we have uh, maybe moved a little bit away from a serious study of doctrine. Not all of us. I don't want you to hear an indictment upon everybody, but I'm saying today... Many of us are settling for the superficial when God wants us to deal with the substantive. There are so many of us that are dealing on the surface level with things. And we're living in a church that's, I mean, in a in a community. We're living in a world that seems to dwell on superficial. Look at the reporting sometimes on the news. Isn't it rather superficial? I mean, sometimes they dwell more on what's going on in Hollywood than they do on real stories and issues that are facing us. And I say to you that that type of consumerism has has become very apparent I think in the church. We need people that will study together, but also people that will fellowship together. Notice again it says that they continued in the apostles' doctrine And fellowship in the breaking of bread. Literally, there, I believe he is talking about going from house to house. They were partaking of the Lord's Supper. They were enjoying life together. They had a sense of fellowship. Now, look, when we mention a fellowship in the local Baptist church, what are we usually talking about? We're going to eat, we're going to have food. Fellowship. We're having a fellowship at the church this Sunday, boys. In other words, we're going to eat, we're going to enjoy, and those are good times. Uh, again, to quote an old scholar, Dr. Argel Smith, he used to say that there is something very spiritual about eating. Why would God choose one of the two ordinances of the church that would be surrounded by eating? There's an intimacy that you have, right? When you sit down with somebody and break bread, there's some... Fel- I, I'm thinking that. I'm still waiting on some of you to invite... you me to your house, but I think there is that intimacy that comes when you just sit around and you talk and you break bread and you eat together and you have fellowship time together. Those are good moments. But notice here, the idea of fellowship is that they were holding things in common. I've mentioned this a few times recently, that the Greek word koinonia means to hold things in common. Now, we know literally, In the early days of the church, they were holding things in common. They were helping their brothers and sisters out, as they should have, right? They were selling things. They were helping each other. They were ministering to one another. And if you can't help your brothers and sisters out in the church, and you can't see to their needs, then I think that that it is a blot upon our testimony of being the family of God. They were holding things together. Literally, they were doing that, but they were holding the doctrine together. They were having fellowship together. They were just coming together. And the church should be individuals that have an inward focus of coming together, of studying together, and of just fellowshipping, holding in common I'm a a member of a civic club. Some of you are members of civic clubs. I've been a member of different types of associations. I've always enjoyed those moments. But there is nothing like being a part of the local church of Jesus Christ. While I enjoy those moments of service, while I enjoy those moments of getting together and seeing people, I realize that it is in the church that I truly hold in common the things that are important and essential within the church. You and I hold things in common. We hold in common that we have been saved by the blood of Christ. We've been saved. We're held in place by the blood of Christ. He uses us. We have the same purpose and work to do together. That should build an incredible bond. God is intended for a believer to be a part, I think, Of a local church. I've never understood it. I'm not even sure it can exist. This idea that you love the church or you love Christ and yet you don't love the church. That seems so inconsistent to me. Why is this? Think about it a moment. You say to yourself, I love Christ, but the church. I, I don't have to be a part of a church. I don't have to love a church. I don't have to love people. I, but I love Christ. I think that would seem so foreign to those earliest believers. And it would seem so foreign to Jesus Christ. Because think, Jesus gave his life for the church. He loved the church so much that he lay his life down for it. And when we reject the church, the people of God... It is inconsistent with the truth of Scripture. It is inconsistent with the relationship with Christ. If He calls me and He has saved me, then He wants me to enjoy fellowship and He wants me to enjoy relationships within the body of Christ. We ought to have an inward focus. There's nothing wrong with that. Of loving one another, of caring for one another, of ministering to one another... Now, Lloyd didn't ask me to say this, but I'm going to say it. It also reminds me in those relationships and those moments to care and hold in common and teach and all that. It reminds me, at least for our perspective, how important like Sunday school is. Right? Now, while I love seeing you in here, and you better be in here. It is a little hard for us to build relationships together in a worship service. Because, especially on, some of you more relaxed on Sunday night, but on Sunday morning, do you see people go out these doors? I mean, when it's over with, I know you got Sunday school, but half this group's not going to Sunday school. They're going to eat somewhere, I think. They're trying to beat the Methodist and Presbyterian and everybody else. You think it's bad, you all to see them at gathering. They get out of here quickly. It's hard to have those intimate relationships just in a church setting, just in a worship context. So one of the reasons it's important to have a small group for us as Baptists, we usually call that small group Sunday school, where you have those places where you can discuss, where you can share, where you can pray for one another, where you can talk to one another. It is so important. And let me say this. For many years I was concerned about some of us being too close to other people in the church. You know, I don't want to get too close cuz I don't want to think people people think that we have cliques and all that other kind of stuff. If you can't find somebody within the church that you can get close to, something is wrong. Some people that you are that you say are closer than other people, Maybe your Sunday school class. I think it's natural, don't you? I don't, I don't live in a fear that somebody's going to talk about my relationships anymore. I, I really don't. I'm just thankful that God provides me in context where I can make relationships. And there's some that naturally come. Well, you know, there's a kind of a cliquish bunch. There. Is it a cliquish bunch or do they just care for each other? Now, see, I got a problem if you don't invite people in. Certainly, I do, but I don't have a problem in people getting close to other people. I used to have a professor at New Orleans. I won't call his name. He was a great guy, a wonderful man, and uh, he he used to he used to say to us preachers, "You cannot have close relationships in the church." He used to tell us that there's no way you cannot have a close relationship within the church. Well, I blew that in the first few churches I was in, okay? And I looked at him. I even challenged him openly. I even challenged him openly in class one day in a respectful way because he he still controlled my grade. You understand? But I said, what do you mean? You mean that I can't become naturally close to individuals that I'm with? I mean, it's the church. I told you a few weeks ago that, for me, we moved away from our families many years ago, and the church became the close relationships. It became, they became. Every church I've been at, you have people that you care for and that you have relationships with. I said, you see, Jesus himself had 12. And even in the 12, the Scripture says he had three in a sense. Because there were certain close relationships. Each one had its own uniqueness. And Christ reached out to all people. And yet he still had close relationships. I think you can do that. And I think you should do that. And I think you should form those kinds of relationships in the church. There should be those for you, as I preached about last week in friendship, those individuals that will walk with you at all times, that will pray for you in sickness, that will pray for you in difficulties. There are people that you are willing to share things with because you know that they will keep your confidences. That is a place that you should be able to find in the church. We ought to have an inward focus They fellowshiped. I believe that they were unbelievably close. Again, as God continues to work in our lives, we need to find avenues like Sunday school where we can find those relationships. There was a guy came to me one time. And he said, Brother Reggie, I think we're getting too big as a church. Most of the time I hear the opposite. But he said, I think we're getting too big. And I said, all right, you want to decide, tell me who can join and who can't join from now on. We'll be a little more selective about it. Oh, no, that's not what I'm... Okay, so the people that come and want to join and want to be saved, we ought to tell them to go join another church somewhere else. No, that's not what I'm saying. And I said, Bill, tell me exactly what... you. Well, you know, I think you can become too big. Well... I've never known any place in the scripture where it said we can't handle this size of a church or we can't handle these individuals coming to know Christ. I never seen that like 3000 on the day of Pentecost. Did you, I mean, you get that. They didn't say we hadn't got enough counselors to deal with this. they didn't say that three, here they were. I don't believe you turn people. I believe you find avenues and again, small groups like Sunday school where people can connect and they can make the relationships that are necessary. God wants us to continue to be his people and reach out and continue to have that inward focus of experiencing joy with one another, experiencing difficulty with one another, of building relationships. Here in this passage, I see an inward focus. But... I say this to you. I also see an outward focus. And these are not these are not mutually exclusive an inward focus and outward. I think they complement one another. As we come together as the people of God loving one another, doing what we should do, then I think it gives us also that purpose of reaching out to other individuals. Here we are with an inward focus that we're loving one another, but we also have an outward focus. Notice the passage says, well, look in verse 47. It says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Back up in verse 40 and verse 41, we see about those who had been added to the church on the day of Pentecost. In other words, this church was reaching out to other people. I mean, they had a zeal and excitement for the gospel of Christ. I mean, it was natural. If you've been saved, if you know the grace of God in your life, if you're heaven-bound and you're part of a family that you love, why would you not want to tell other people about it? And they were telling other people about it everywhere they went. I marvel at the progress of the gospel in the book of Acts. Remember, I told you that the... Theme of the gospel, theme of the book of Acts is the triumph of the gospel over every barrier, and man, it just goes forth. I mean, you begin reading in Acts one when they're getting ready, you read in Acts two on the day of Pentecost, three thousand come, and I mean, it's just like the gospel is unstoppable throughout the book, the power of God, and all He does is take ordinary men, the Scripture says, ordinary individuals that testify of Christ. They're not necessarily seminary trained. There's nothing against that, by the way, but there's nothing seminary trained. They're not educated. Actually, they marveled. These are uneducated people, but yet they have a great wisdom and strength and power that has been given to them by God. And it's amazing what they do. It is amazing what they do and how they reach out to other people. And daily, I'm talking about every day. They didn't wait till Sunday morning. Every day, there were being people added to the church. There were were people being saved because they were inward, but they were not so enamored with, with their inward focus that they forgot their outward focus. We ought to be a people that gather together and worship and study and enjoy one another, but also we reach out to others. Obviously here... Those that do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I would say also those people who have have maybe just reached a a difficult point in their journey, their spiritual journey, people who um were faithful once but need to be encouraged and strengthened, people that need to be reclaimed, if you will, we need to reach out to them. Maybe it's a simple phone call, it's a visit. We need to be reaching out to them, but especially those people that we walk daily with that do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those individuals, they need to know the hope of Christ. Never forget, we have the gospel. We have the good news, and we ought to be reaching out. Now, I'm thankful that God has given us a church that is uh, involved in missions And I say again, just as the good Dr. Herschel Hobbs used to say, no church even deserves the soil upon which it is built if it is not missionary in its purpose. I I agree with him. We don't even deserve to have any facility or anything else if we are not missionary in who we are as we go forth. But it's not just about the missions out there. It is about the missions in the community where we are. And we must be reminded of that in adding inward focus, outward focus. And then finally, I want to give you this third focus, okay? There's inward, there's outward, and there's upward. There's upward. I want you to notice what it says again. Back in verse 42, it says that they're praying to God. In verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. Notice, praising God. They're worshiping God. There needs to be an upward focus that when we come together as God's people, as a church, that, yes, we're gathering together, we're trying to reach out, but we know that ultimately what is our goal? To please him. We're called to please him and to serve him and to praise him and to worship him. That's what we're called to do. All the other things, I mean, all the other things hopefully complement our work and our service and our worship of God. We're called to serve him. I'm going to give you this, and this may not taste very well, but it's okay because you're going to eat a hot fudge, a fudge sundae in just a moment, okay? It'll make it taste much better afterwards, All right. I am concerned that many of our churches today are much more man-centered and man-focused than they are God-focused. I'm not trying to throw stones at other churches. I'm just saying that I believe that so many of us today, so many of our churches, have become me-centered instead of God-centered. Too many of our churches today have subscribed to an unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, instead of really worshiping and praising God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I will say to you that we must be very careful or our church will become just as man-centered as any other church that you'll find. Now, let me say this. When it comes down to what all about what we want when it comes down all about what we like, when it comes down to what we want to see, we are treading on dangerous ground. Because, my friends, the church is not here simply to benefit you or me. The church is ultimately here to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should seek him follow his guidance and his leadership. He should be the center of our worship. This should not be a personality-driven kind of context. This should not be a preference-driven type of context. Rather, it should be the person of the Lord Jesus Christ-driven context. That's what we must remember. They were praising God. You know, sometimes we think about all the other things. Oh, well, should we do it this way? Should we do it that way? I'm going to say to you again, when people genuinely love the Lord Jesus and when they are worshiping Him and praising Him, when they're loving one another, when they're reaching out to one another, let me say to you that that church finds blessing and that church finds God's work being accomplished in its midst. It doesn't matter the strategy, the method, all the other things you want to try to bring around it. It is when a church remembers its function and it functions accordingly that you see people being added daily. To the church. And I really believe that we need to be careful. And I'll say it as a pastor, I'm saying it to myself this night that we must be careful that we do not become man centered, praising ourselves instead of God centered. We must be upwardly focused. We must nurture our relationship with Him. We must. We must enjoy the vitality and the life that he alone can bring. You see, a man can give a motivational speech, but only God can give life. A man can encourage you to do something for a moment. God can motivate you and encourage you to do something for a lifetime. And that is the reason we must root ourselves in him. And follow Him and seek Him. And the church, everything that we do, should be exalting to Him. You see, we should have an inward focus loving one another, fellowshipping with one another, studying together with one another. We should have an outward focus of reaching, inviting people, sharing with them the good news of Christ. but well, we should always have an upward focus appraising and worshiping and pleasing and seeking and serving the lord above that is our reason because friends our very existence the very breath we have as a people is because of his blessing and his work in our lives. Never forget that. I say to you that I love this passage because it brings into focus who we are as a church. When the world tries to cloud our judgment and our discernment, when our own selfish desires try to impede God's work in our lives, as we look back to scriptures like this, we are reminded of our proper function and purpose. We're reminded of why we're here. And I pray God would use it and that he would root it in our hearts and lives. That we would be committed to being that kind of people in that kind of church. Let's pray together. Father, we bless your name tonight. God, we thank you our family of believers here thank you for the relationships that you have given and how you will continue to build these relationships God I pray that we'd be faithful to one another praying challenging encouraging one another and God that we would be faithful as we reach out to this community That individuals would know that, Lord, as they come and they join us, that they would find a place, a peace, a place of power, a place of your presence. Father, we pray that we'd be faithful to reach outward. And God, tonight we repent. Father, we say we're sorry. For those moments where we have taken our eyes off of you and we've placed them upon ourselves. God, would you continue to challenge us in our preferences, challenge us in our own personal desires. Lord, do that in such a way that we will place you upon the throne once again in our lives and in our hearts. And Father, that we'll praise you as the rightful king. And we'll seek to please you in all things. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand tonight? Would you come as God calls you, as he speaks to you? Would you come?